still involved with the school. Most of you know I love football, and uh, I help out coach the football team, and can't ever get enough of it. And since we still have the Super Bowl ahead of us, I figure it's still okay to talk about football. So I'll get to that in just a minute. But one thing that I do remember, not too long ago when I was a student here, they always had the, the psalm of the day, and I always wondered why we never really talked more about it. Um, and so I, I looked at the first verse of this as we were reading in Psalm 28. To you, O Lord, I call my rock, be not deaf to me. And I was like, hang on, you're asking a rock to not be deaf. Rocks don't have ears. And so I was kind of confused about that. But then I was like, that's why it's so important to read things in context, to continue reading, to look at the, the entirety of the psalm. And it's, he's not talking about, you know, like a rock that you go out and pick up. And if, you, if any of you guys went out to the parking lot and picked up a rock and tried to talk to it, it would be deaf to you because it has no ears. It's just a rock. But he's not talking about it in that way. If you look right after that, it says, lest you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. He's falling and, you know, he wants that rock, that stability to build upon. I just thought that was kind of an interesting way to start the day. So anyways, on to football. When I, when I was here, my junior year, actually, we were playing a team that was really good the year before. They were 7-1 and one the year before. And they had a couple of really good athletes, just a really strong football team. But we were up and coming, too. We had figured out a lot of things from the year before. We were kind of getting the momentum going, ready to just be a better football team, kind of take it to the other team and run the ball, hard-nosed football. And so we were, we were fighting. We were gaining all kinds of yards. And this opponent that we were playing, Silver Lake, a lot of you may, some of you may even remember that game, but we came up short, and we lost the game 8-10. to 10. Not entirely sure how we lost that game because when you go back and look at the stats, we had over 400 yards and they had less than 100 yards. So one thing that, you know, why, why is this guy coming and talking about this football game, giving us stats we might not care? Well, one thing that still to this day, me and all of my teammates and everybody that played in that game, when we think back to that Silver Lake game, everybody can think of one thing. If they would have done a little bit differently, we probably would have won that game. It's an opportunity that reminds us of if we would have done anything differently, we would have won that game. And that's kind of the, the direction I want to go with this message this morning, is not wasting any opportunities. Each and every one of you has all kinds of opportunities in front of you every day. You may never know until the clock hits zero what it would be like to not waste those opportunities. So the main text that we're going to be looking at this morning is in Matthew chapter 25. So if you guys want to flip over to Matthew 25, verse 14, we will be looking at that this morning. Before we get started, I want to go ahead and pray that, that it would be God speaking through me and not, not myself. And one thing on that real quick, too. Um, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about different things and kind of scratching my head. And I, I stopped and I was like, well, I need, to, I need to pray about this. I need to let God guide me as I'm preparing this message so that all the glory would go to him and, you know, all good stuff like that. And I was like, well, I don't really want all the glory to go to him. You know, I want, I want people to say, hey, you did a really great job speaking. And everybody say, oh, you should come back and speak again next year. Oh, that was great. Stuff like that. And, and that's my selfish attitude. And that's, um, like, again, what I'm going to be talking about, an, an opportunity to give the glory to God or to take it for myself. So as we begin, I want to make sure that the glory does go to God and, and not to me. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord God, we come before you this morning. We are honored just to be, to be here, to be in a, such a comfortable setting, 
and not just, not just the temperature of the room, not just the, the clothes that we can afford to own, but, but in, in a place where we can openly and freely talk about you, in a place where we have so many opportunities as Americans that many people around the world don't even know. So I thank you for that, God, and I pray that as I read from your word and as you speak through me, that you would take some real-life applications to these students, that it would impact the way that they go and their walk with you, Father, and guide and direct us all throughout the rest of this week and the rest of this year. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 25, and if you guys would like to stand for the reading of the word, we're going to be reading verses 14 through 30. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five, five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid the talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you, ought to have, uh, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming should have received what my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even he, what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, you guys can go ahead and be seated. The Word of God is very, very powerful. And I I really hope that you guys don't take that for granted and that you don't realize the great treasure that you have uh, just here in your own hands. I've been doing a little bit of studying for, for some of our Bible studies at camp this summer, and the first day is about the authority of Scripture and how it has been powerfully preserved for us. And if you guys get the chance, look into some of the history of what has happened just to get the Bible to where it is today. It's, it's really, really interesting. But taking a little bit from the John MacArthur Study Bible, it says that the parable of the talents illustrates the tragedy of wasted opportunity. The man who goes on the journey represents Christ, and the slaves represent professing believers giving different levels of responsibility. Faithfulness is what he demands of them. But the parable suggests that all who are faithful will be fruitful to some degree. The fruitless person is unmasked as a hypocrite and utterly destroyed. So first, let's look at some of the people in this parable. Uh, first, the man. The man that is going on a journey. This represents Christ. 
And Christ is ultimately the most important thing that any of us can talk about. Um, And Jesus Christ, uh, he is with us in the beginning. Jesus came, and the entire New Testament talks about his life here, how he came, had 12 disciples, went around Israel and the surrounding area, and healed the sick, performed miracles, and the entire time did absolutely nothing wrong. But the rulers and the authorities, through jealousy and pride, handed him over to the Romans. They eventually had him executed. They killed him. But he didn't stay dead. He conquered death. He rose again on the third day. And through that, he was able to take our sins, and then we would be able to have a relationship with God through that. And so the, the, the master here, being with them, was like Jesus being on earth some 2,000 years ago. And he's going on a journey. Um, I, I like what he says in, uh, at the beginning, verse 14. Like a man going on a journey, called his servants, and entrusted to them his property. I read that and I was like, well, when Jesus left, look at one of the last things that he said. Go. Go into all the world and make disciples. And that's something that's really applicable for each and every one of us. Uh, a lot of times the most important part, for those of you that are doing speech, hopefully you've talked about this, but the most important part of a speech is your third and final point. That's what you really need to drive home. And uh, so it's the same way with Jesus. One of the most important things that he said, when you look at the last thing he said, was, was one of the more important commands. Go into all the world. Make disciples. And a lot of people view that as, you know, spreading the word of Christ. The, the church started as 12 guys in Israel, and now it is all around the world. Thousands, millions of people are Christians all around the world. And it started with just those 12 guys that were then told by Jesus to go out and tell others. Uh, so that is, you know, entrusted them with his property. When you think about it, the entire world is God's property, and as this man went on the journey, he entrusted his servants, those who profess and claim to be Christians, with his property. We have the entire world, and we are charged to go forth, make disciples. And making disciples is more than just sharing the gospel. Now, ultimately, yes, we do need to be sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus and what he has done to everybody that needs to hear it. And, but it's more than just that. That discipleship is uh, building onto each other. One of the things that you guys started last year, I believe, was the e-groups. And that's something that's really powerful because of my understanding of it. It pairs some of the older students with the younger students and different people of different levels. It helps you guys kind of form your own discipleship groups. And I really want to just encourage you in those e-groups, don't just, you know, put in the time because you have to, but really take advantage of those opportunities uh, go above and beyond. You, you never really are able to understand the power of, of influence that you can have on someone. Uh, but, but really, especially you seniors, there's, uh, the younger students really look up to you guys. So don't waste that opportunity. But the master also, going on a journey, he is going to return. And it's the same way with Christ. We might not know when. He has left us for a time, but he is coming back. So now let's just take a minute and look at the servants. Like I said, the servants are those who claim to be Christians. And there are three of them. And when you look at verse 15, to the one he gave five, to another two, and another one, each according to his ability. Now this master knew his servants pretty well. He knew which servant to give five talents to. He knew which one he didn't trust as much to give only one. 
task two. And it's the same way with us. If we are faithful to Christ, if we are growing in our faith, then he will continue to trust us with more responsibilities, more opportunities to pour into more lives of more people. And with that faithfulness, we need to continue to build on that so that, we can, so that <clears throat> the kingdom of God can continually be built. Just a quick second to look at talent. Uh, the word talent, I did a little bit of research on that, and I found some different results for what talent actually meant. One, one place said that one talent was 20 years wages, which low ball in it would be over $500,000 for one talent. Another place said that it was close to 200000 Another place said $300,000. So what, however much it is, it's a lot of money. So when you think even just one, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And uh, he split up his property. You know, it's not clear if it's land or if it's money that he's giving to them. But regardless, he, he entrusts them with a lot. Five talents, five times 20 years wages, that's like 100 years wages. That's a, a lot, a lot of money. But then another thing that, that I found was that a talent is a measure of weight, not a specific coin. So that the talent of gold was more valuable than a talent of silver. The talent of, they believe that in, in this text it's talking about silver, but it was considered a sum of money. The modern meaning of the word talent, denoting a natural ability, stems from the fact that the parable is erroneously applied to the stewardship of one's natural gifts. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today. <clears throat> Whether you guys may realize it or not, each and every one of you has been gifted in several different ways. Some of you may be gifted athletically, and you're on the basketball team, wrestling team, football team, volleyball, cross-country, track, all stuff like that. And, and those are, by our culture anyway, are some of the more recognizable talents. The, the Super Bowl, they say, is the most televised event in the world because it shows some of the more talented football players and we're going to get to watch some really, really talented football players this year in the Super Bowl. It should be. Hopefully it's a close game, not a blowout again. But anyways, so talent is really recognized on the athletic field. Um, and with great talent comes great responsibility, to quote Spider-Man. But, uh, but with that, you know, I want to charge all of you guys with that too. You athletes, you are, when you go out and whether you're, wearing a basketball jersey or football jersey or whatever, you know, one thing that's all kind of in common, you're wearing a uniform of some sort that says Nebraska Christian or Eagles or anything like that, and it is a representation of your school and of everybody in this building and everybody associated with it too. So with that, it is a talent, it is an opportunity for you guys to not just represent yourself, but to represent the school. If any of you do anything with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they talk a lot about representing Christ through your sports, through your athletics. And so that's just a great opportunity for you guys to, uh, you know, whether a call doesn't go your way or something happens that can be really frustrating. I, I definitely know about that when, like I said, this football game, it was a very frustrating time for the entire team. And it was also a great opportunity for us you know, what are we going to do when those trials and when those conflicts come? And when those hardships face us, that some of you guys may have remembered my senior year of football, we turned a lot of things around and started winning a lot more games. And a lot of it was because when those hard times came, we realized that we had to give everything that we had, continue pressing on, giving it all, laying it all out on the line for the team. So just an opportunity 
for that, but also for everybody else that's not in athletics. A lot of you have been gifted with uh, musical ability, and you're at a great school for that. Mr. Flynn's a great music teacher, and uh, you know, consistently doing well at district music and choir tours and different stuff like that. But again, you're representing the school. You are representing each other. You are representing Christ. And the temptation there, not so much, you know, it's not like you're going to be at a music contest and, and you're singing your solo and the judge says that you get a two instead of a one and you just freak out and start throwing chairs. I haven't seen that ever happen. Um, maybe, maybe Mr. Flynn has. But, uh, <laughs> but one thing that with music, it might be more tempting to take pride in that. To, to hear all of those people at choir tour come up and say, oh, you guys were just so great. Here, eat all our wonderful potluck food. And, which is why a lot of people do choir tour. Anyways, but, um, but you may be tempted to take that and, and to, to be puffed up with pride, which the Bible says a lot about that too. It is something you need to continually take guard against. Um, and uh, speech and whatever other activities, uh, maybe quiz bowl, academics, or even if it's something that's not very well recognized, maybe you're, maybe you're tech savvy and you like to play with computers. Uh, are you using those gifts for yourself? Are you taking it and burying it yourself? Or are you going out, multiplying, impacting other people with those gifts and with those talents? So the first servant, well, I want to look at him for just a little bit. There's the first servant and the second servant are basically the same when you look at Scripture, except for this one thing. The first servant, he who had received the five talents, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. It said he went at once. The other servant said he did, he did the same, but that first servant immediately didn't waste any time. He went out right away. Boom. He's the first one. That first kickoff, he's running down full head of steam. He's going to hit somebody. That is the same way. That is what we are charged to be. And he is eventually rewarded with that because when the unfaithful servant has his money taken away, it is given back to this first servant. And the, the master knows that. He knows that this guy is going to be a faithful servant. That's why he entrusts him with the five talents. And it's the same with you guys. A lot of, a lot of you that maybe watch football are familiar with this. If a team does this right at the end of the third quarter, they're going to go out. They're going to win the fourth. All right? They're going to win the fourth quarter. Uh, basketball the same. And basically it gets them to go finish strong, all stuff like that. Well, you can't do this unless you've played the first three quarters. You need to go out and you need to compete and you need to lay everything out on the line right from the opening kickoff. Because if you haven't competed, if you're not still in it the first three quarters, nobody cares if you win the fourth. You've got to be in it to win it the entire, the entire length of the game. And that's another thing to, to encourage you guys with. You may think from time to time that, that you're young, that you're just a bunch of high school students, that you don't have a huge impact on society. A lot of you may not even be old enough to vote as we're getting close to election season. Well, that is the mindset and the attitude of, I'm going to let somebody else be the first one down the field on kickoff. Somebody will, somebody will tackle him. I'll just, I'll just stay here, and, and if he runs my way, I'll tackle him or whatever. But, but that is an attitude that we need to be careful of and that we need to avoid. We need to... Be willing to lay it all out on the line. Go full head of steam all the way down right from the get-go. You're, you're never too young to impact another person. Uh, those around you, the, your teammates, your friends, the guys or girls that you live in the dorm with, you're never too young to have an impact. And it starts, if you really want to have an impact, if you really want to make a difference, it starts by coming right out of the gate, going right 
you know, went at once and traded with them, using your talents to the honor and glory of God. Looking then at the next couple of verses. Now, after a long time, verse 19, I I had to stop after I first read that because a lot of times when pastors or teachers or anybody talks about the return of Christ, well, there's a lot of speculation with that because, you know, he was here 2,000 years ago. When is he coming back? You know, is Jesus coming this afternoon? Are all these signs in the news? Is, is he coming back soon? There's not a lot that we can, you know, there's really nothing in Scripture that says he is coming April 31st, 2015, whatever. That's a past date. didn't happen. But what, it, what we're looking at here, he comes back after a long time. And that's what a lot of us may feel like. Oh, it's been forever since Jesus was here. When is he going to be coming back? And really, we don't know. And that is why, again, it is so important to be living uh, that not wasting those opportunities to be going all out for Christ. And a, a little bit of a sports metaphor, if for me anyway, it's less so because quarterbacks and different people like that, point guards, you need to be aware of the clock. You need to know how much time is left on the game. A lot of times I was a lineman, so I didn't really, I just until the whistle blew. They, they told me when the game was over, so I would stop hitting people. But other than that, you know, you just need to go. And you might not know when the clock hits zero. You might not know when Christ returns. And that's why you need to be going hard no matter what, no matter how much time is left. And really, we don't know. So in that, we need to be prepared for Christ's return after a long time and be working hard so that when he returns, we can demonstrate our faithfulness to him. Verse 21 His master said to him, the good faithful servant, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now when you look at this, he says faithful over a little. He could have been in the ballpark of like $100,000, close to a million dollars. That's a little? I would would like a little. Uh, But when you look at it, the master has a much bigger view, a bigger perspective, a eternal perspective. Where I'm at now, I'm, you know, working at Timberlake Ranch Camps. We have different things. How many of you guys been to Timberlake before? How many of you know what the blob is? Okay. Does anybody not know what the blob is? All right, good. So, so basically, the blob, it, uh, it's, it's a blob and it kind of just sits there in the lake. But it does work really hard. The sun is beating down on it every day. And eventually, there might be a tear that is put in the blob which is not good because you don't want kids to have their arm stuck in the blob and break it. So the blob, we need to purchase a new blob and we need to spend a lot of money to get a new blob. So looking at that, it's, it can be, you can see a lot bigger things. And my point with this is looking at the budget for the entire year at Timberlake, looking at some really big numbers, it, it makes you think that you know, $1,000, $2,000, $4,000, it looks much smaller when you look at an entire year budget. And that's something that you guys will be seeing as you go on from here to college and they're asking you to pay however many thousand per semester or whatever. You're going to be looking and, and, you know, things that may be big now are going to be smaller then. One thing that I did find out of high school, a lot of things that I thought were bigger deals are not as much. And hopefully you guys are able to see past some of that now, but actual just things that are that we are tempted to view as earth-shattering news. Really, when you take a step back and look at it, that's it's really not a big deal. And that's what the master does. He doesn't look at the day-to-day process 
of this servant. He doesn't, the servant goes and is faithful and doubles what he has. The master sees that, that he is faithful with a little, and he will then set him in charge over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. Verse 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The really neat thing about verse 23 is that it is the same thing as verse 21. Both men, both the man with five talents and the man with two talents received exactly the same reward, indicating that the reward is based on faithfulness, not on results. There was a missionary who was actually one of the first missionaries to Korea long, long time ago, 1860s. And he was, he was in China trying to find a boat that would take him to Korea so that he could be one of the first people to share the gospel with the nation of Korea. And they were on the shore, kind of sailing around, and they got stuck on a sandbar. And he hadn't converted a single person yet. And a bunch of basically angry citizens came and killed everyone on the boat. And he had a bunch of Bibles that were translated into Korean, And they took those, and one person was like, oh, paper, I'm going to put up some wallpaper in my house. Several years later, when the missionaries finally did come to Korea, they went in and they found that house, and there were some people that had already been saved because of the words on the wall, as as they said to them. And, you know, so you may look at this man who had a good job in the United States. He left everything that he had, went to Korea, hadn't even converted a single person yet, he was killed, but he still made a difference. He still had an impact. His faithfulness was rewarded because it is based on faithfulness, not on results. That is something that can be, again, tempting for us to look at. Well, what am I doing? I'm not seeing any results with this. Like the weight room. A lot of you athletes go into the weight room and you're pumping iron. You're saying, oh, I'm just getting sore. I'm not getting any bigger. (laughs) My gym selfies don't look good. Um, (laughs) What's with that, right? So, So you may be tempted to think, I have no results. But if you continue to work hard, you continue to strive for that goal, you will then see the results there probably on the field, hopefully. And hopefully you guys don't take gym selfies. That's just a really bad idea. Just (laughs) say no to selfies. Anyways, the master didn't get too focused on the now. He had a bigger view of things to come. This is the will of God, to not get too Uh, too focused on the details, but to keep an eternal perspective. The last thing to look at is then the unfaithful servant. Verse 26, uh, well, actually the next couple of verses. He also, verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid the talent in the ground. Here, Here you have what is yours. But his master said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Now I always, growing up, whenever they they would read this in church or whatever, I was always kind of confused by this because he says, You know that I'm a hard man, gathering where I have not sown seed. And I was like, 
Is, is Jesus admitting to, like, stealing? What, what is this? He's not supposed to do anything wrong, but what is this? And I was always kind of confused by this, but really what the man says, I know you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you have scattered no seed. That shows that this servant really doesn't know his master well. And then when the master says, you know that I am a hard man reaping where I have not sown, reap where I have not sown, gather where I have scattered no seed. And basically he's not admitting to that. He's saying, if that was true, well, then you should have at least invested with the bankers. You should have at least done something with it. So I got a little bit of return. And basically he takes that accusation by that man and turns it back around on him, which is something that Jesus does a lot when people come to him and and try to test him, he, ch- he takes that, answers it with a question, throws it back on them. Um, and, and really, that's what he does to this servant, too. He shows that this man was not being faithful with that. He did not take the opportunity. He wasted it. He threw it away. He buried it. And ultimately, he was punished for that. And his opportunity was taken and given to someone else. Quick, simple illustration. If, if you're on the basketball court and you have a wide open layup and you decide not to take it, well, chances are pretty good that you are going to be taken out, sat on the bench, and somebody else that wants to make a wide open layup is going to be put in the ball game. It's the same way with that. If you're not faithful with these little things, little things as, you know, opportunities that you have here in high school, opportunities to impact those around you, um, then it will be taken and given to someone else. God working is not dependent on us. God does not need us to get the job done. He uses us in mighty and powerful ways if we let him. But it's not like we are going to slow down the kingdom of God if we decide that we're not going to do what he wants us to do. The will of God will be accomplished with or without us. But when you look at the first two servants, the two that go out and take those opportunities and utilize them, they are then given a reward. And it is much, much better for them than, as it says in verse 30, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's what I really want to encourage you guys with, is don't waste the opportunity of going all out for Jesus today. The servants didn't know when their master was returning, and neither do we. We know that we have a limited amount of time each person's life is, has a start date and an end date. And that is the only time that we can really take to utilize those opportunities that God has given us. And I really want to encourage you guys that start that as you are young. Take, that, take the message of the cross and take it out to others. Disciple others and, uh, and use that as you go on from here. Lord God, you are a good, good master. You have entrusted each and every one of us with the commands to go, make disciples. I pray that we would not take that for granted, that we would not waste that opportunity. I pray for each and every person here, whether they, no matter what activities they're in or no matter what they are involved with, uh, that they would utilize those opportunities to make a difference for you, to go all out, to give it everything that they have, to work mightily for you and unto you. I pray that you would bless them as they go out from here. Uh, Bless their discussions, that you would be in the midst of the e-groups. We praise you and thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.